Hi, this is Camden, and this is WOW, your blank for a Christian. This is going to be a couple-month-long podcast that details uh, the streamlined version of my book that I am writing and gives me an opportunity to get feedback from people who share my beliefs, from people who do not share my beliefs. Um, but essentially it's a portal for me to open my beliefs and my interpretations of the world on science and spirituality, um, that result in my belief in how to treat others, how Jesus would want them to be treated by me. And I believe that God wanted me to engage in something I call accurate love. And so accurate love really starts with the idea of balance. Now, balance is not only a physiological and neurological mechanism for maintaining proprioception, but that of a, a general perception of the world and everything in it, everyone in it. Um, while mostly popularly thought of as an Eastern ideology, balance is typically associated with, you know, all sorts of religions like Buddhism, um, symbols like yin and yang, and uh, those are the epitome of balance, a, a physical and spiritual representation of equal and yet opposing interactive forces. In psychology, this reminds me of the concept of anima and animus, or the feminine and masculine forces that interact and oppose each other. Balance is important in understanding one's own journey, my own journey, and my childhood development that built the trajectory for the rest of my life. As a child, one engages in a stereotypical process. Uh, a famous psychologist named Otto Kernberg uh, described as splitting, as in you split something down the middle. Now, this is a mechanism for children where they determine uh, people and or objects, um, and they deem them either entirely good or completely bad. Now, you've probably seen this in children, or even your own children if you have any, or even with your parents if you remember, where you would look up to them and, you know, dad is the greatest person in the world. I want to be like mom. Mom is perfect. And that's probably the best part of being a parent, I can imagine, is that moment when your children believe you're literally perfect. Um, and this is a completely normal mechanism. And, you know, there are psychologists who go on to theorize that is to minimize anxiety about threats from one's primary caregivers. And that's understandable given that, you know, uh, human children, like most mammals, are altricial beings, meaning they need uh, paternal and maternal help growing up rather than being like robins that can get up and fly away. And to minimize that threat of your parent has the ability to hurt you, that view is too stressful to minimize that anxiety you have that splitting. Now that's um, a theory shared by Otto and other psychologists. Um, but then again, this is all typical of childhood development, and it's usually surpassed later in life with a more gray understanding of oneself 
and of the world. However, splitting can carry into adulthood and affect one's perception of everything and oneself. This is characteristic of the DSM-5 psychopathologies, uh, which are just psychological illnesses, such as narcissistic and borderline personality disorder. Now, these disorders themselves uh, carry a heavy stigma. These do not mean you are a quote-unquote bad person. They are what they are. They are illnesses, meaning that they are significant because they are affecting you and your interpersonal circles, and those could have devastating effects on someone's mental and physical health. Now, a healthy understanding of balance is not only important understanding the intricacies of life, theology, mental health, and interpersonal relationships, but in just experiencing the moment and being mindful of other people and being mindful of what our purpose here is as being individuals called by Jesus to love others. And Jesus provides a clear template in the Bible for interpersonal interactions and thoughts of balance that pave the way for insight that let us spread Jesus's love. Both examples and wisdom drive the first and second commandment for us as people who believe in Christ. And now the idea of balance may have some people thinking that the quote unquote gray is somewhat of an intellectual and religious lukewarmth, often referred to uh, by the common verse where Jesus will spit you out of his mouth. However, this is really the antithesis to the truth. Love is connected to perspective. That's Jesus' empathy. That should be unlimited. And it is unlimited to us who believe in him, but somehow sex and groups of people who believe in Christ limit it to people who do not think like them, to people who do not live like them. And many of these individuals believe that this demands a compromise, that it lessens the value of God's teachings, that it lessens the value of Jesus' love. However, this is not true. Love is connected to perspective. And to find that gray is to understand context. And when you understand someone's context, you understand them as a whole individual and much more than you can simply label as good or bad. That's why I, as someone who has um, engaged in motivational interviewing and uh, sparse therapy sessions, you learn about a client. You learn about their history, about their trauma. And the majority of the time, when you get to know people, you find those traumas. You find those pains. You find all those things that formed them as a person by not being particularly good memories, good experiences. And that's the whole thing about being in a fallen world, is that a fallen world hurts people. And then that hurt translates into psychology, which translates into actions. 
and then that goes on, and then you have individuals claiming because someone has done a bad thing, oh, you know, it's a fallen world. But that's very apathetic. You have to be there and be Jesus in this situation. Every non-believer you interact with is a client. They're not someone for you to shoo away, someone for you to condescend or to deem ill and turn away or declare that they're bad, even if they're reluctant. Many patients are reluctant. Many clients are reluctant to go see their mental health professional, to go see their doctor. But it is in their best interest. And that health professional has a duty to that client to view them as a trying person who has gone through things just like you have just like i have and there is no excuse to treat them in this manner which is empathetic which is a compromise not of values but of perspective of how you view them and how they view you and how you view the world that has either hurt them or built them up of the people that have either betrayed them or supported them in their worst time. Now finding this truth in the gray of life is truly the greatest commandment of action between human beings called unto us by our creator that we believe in and this may seem intricate it may appear hard or way too progressive but it it is explained through depicting true love with neuropsychology and scripture and this is of highest importance In the New Testament, the first and greatest commandment is to love God. And then the second is to love your neighbor. And if you think about it, these are the most two important things God has called for us. And importance drives priority. And priority drives behavior. And now I can think of many Christians, much like anyone who has had a bad interaction with a believer, to not be following those. And thus, those who do, those who love their neighbor regardless, especially those who love non-believers, are following the second greatest commandment. And thus, by following God's commandments by leading others to Jesus through their actions, through being empathetic and being understanding, they are leading them to Jesus, someone who is good, someone who wants to know them and love them regardless of all the mess that life has put in their way. And that is following God's first commandment. So by following the second, you're following the first. So that as humans gives us this first great commandment, which is to love our neighbor in the way Jesus would if he were here. And how did Jesus act when he was first here? He didn't talk it up with the Pharisees. He wasn't talking to only those who could afford him, those who seemed clean, those who had nice homes, those who can have a a wealthy dinner 
Jesus talked to the lowest people that society deemed undesirable. To all the people that many Christians today condescend upon, hate, loathe. And again, that is completely antithetical to your priority as a believer. Now, I'm not here to determine and tell other people what their duty is to their religion or their spirituality. But I am telling you, if you are following the Bible, if you believe in the Bible, in whatever denomination that you are in, then you must read the scripture. And in reading of the scripture, you find priority. And in reading of the scripture, you find how you're supposed to act through wisdom of Jesus, through the actions of Jesus. And priority drives behavior. And as a disclaimer, I am a scientist. I would do research. And I am striving to be a neuropsychologist. But I am also a Christ follower. But, but again, I'm not Christian. And, you know, the original translation for Christian is the Greek word Christianos. While I'm probably saying that wrong, it means Christ follower. And I utilize this name all the time, talking to believers and non-believers. Because it prioritizes my values. Just a small, simple change of words individualizes myself and puts my priorities first. I understand that Christianity, the church, the religious structure, and many of those who follow it in their ties to political or monetary transactions have escaped from the important truths. And they have severely damaged people. They have damaged the world. And they have damaged the potential relationship between Jesus and people he wants to know. Every time you claim the Lord and you negatively impact the life of someone else, you are denying God to that person. Now, there, I see that as an extremely greedy and self-centered action. And as a disclaimer for all this, I am not perfect. I do not claim to be the next Jesus. I do not claim to act exactly like him. I have failures. I have many failures, and I can tell you them firsthand. I know everyone else out there has failures, but that in itself is understanding. Understanding I am a product of what I've gone through and what I've done, good and or bad, but I learned from them all. That is what Jesus calls me to do. So as long as I'm trying, as long as I'm learning, and as long I am trying to help this world. Now, you may follow many other directives from what other uh, Jesus-involving religion or denomination that you follow. And that's great. I mean, 
that relationship that you have with the creator that if you whatever you need to do you can be so individual in how you talk with and how you meet with the creator that's all you but that's first commandment and at some point you have to reel it in for the second commandment and regardless of what your relationship is with Jesus you're associated it is climple wow <laughs> simple classic psychology it is conditioning it is you know you have operant conditioning and classical conditioning but to simplify it you are associated with Jesus And so when you interact with somebody, the quality of your interactions reflect not only upon you, but upon Jesus. And now you can say, oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I make mistakes. I'm like everybody else. I'm just trying to follow Christ. And that is true. That is very true. And no one is perfect. And whoever is out there and believing, no matter how little or how large in a creator, of my particular belief for others. I applaud you. I really do. But it is pure fact that if you are associated with something and then you act negatively upon another, you run the risk of them associating the quality of your actions with the quality of your God. And that is quite simple, but... I want to delve more into what accurate love is and how Jesus accurately loved people and how we should accurately love others. Not only is it a scientific method, but it is a spiritual calling. And it utilizes so many components of physics, of neurology, of theology and spirituality. It is truly a wonderful process. But there are demands to this. This demands a harsh look at oneself and one's worldview. I have had to do this for many years. And I have developed beliefs that are the complete opposite of what I had been groomed to believe. And now, you may have many judgments about what I have said already, about what I will say, in deeming what is right in your life. And remember that. Much of your relationship with your creator that is between you and your creator and I have no right in between that. That is your responsibility, your right, and you're free to do so. But when it comes to the interaction with other individuals, there is plain fact. There is plain fact in scripture. Through thematic analysis, there is plain fact in how one interacts with other individuals with the label of Christianity on it. So that's when you have someone say, wow, you're blank for a Christian. What do you have in that blank? Do you have someone saying, wow, you're mean for a Christian? Or do you have someone going, wow, you're understanding for a Christian? And in that irony 
of kind of that double standard comes how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to love others and thus love the people who are damaged by this world and who are loved by our God. Thank you very much, guys. I can't wait for your feedback. You can send me any messages, anything you want, any criticisms, any, you know, thoughts. This was more of an intro to um, the book that I am writing. And I look forward to talking to you next time. See ya.